Thanks. Thanks for coming forward, worshipping. So, why was it important that we actually came forward? Well, so, I mean, I have to, I have to work hard to keep my heart out of it and be right. So, like, I'll be honest with you, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, for me, that's the first thing I have to do. It's like, it's not about me. So it's not about me asking and then nothing happens. I can only ask you guys to do what God asks us to do. So if God asks me to lead us, then I've got to do that. And a couple of weeks ago, God spoke to us about calloused hearts and calluses. And without going too much into it, but a callous forms when we do something over and over and over again and it hardens. And it's a great thing if you work with your hands, to have hard hands. It means you can do harder work without injury. But if your heart becomes calloused towards God, then it means it's easy not to listen to Him. Not to, to hear Him and not to. And the way that we would get there is if Whoever is leading us says, let's go there and pray, and then we don't. Let's come here and worship, and then we don't. And then God says, let's go right, and we don't. Guess what? We stay, and God goes right. And that would be terrible. That when God moves, we get left behind. I don't want to be there. I'm sure you don't. You're not here because you want to be there. So that's why it's important that when we say, let's go worship God in the front. Why? Because taking that step, we have seen that people actually worship God better. It's just that. We've seen it. It's not a religion. We joke and we say there's more of God in the front. God's the same everywhere in the universe. (laughs) But there's more of a sense of God in our togetherness. Why am I not watching Andrew preach better than I can on the internet this morning? Because in our togetherness, there is more of God for us. So, yeah. Thanks for for listening and coming. So, this morning, uh, and this week, God spoke to me uh, about, so let me start here. (laughs) Actually, God spoke to me now um, while we're worshiping. It, It takes two to make a relationship work. You know that. So, one person, let's preach to them. I'm not a preach at their wedding. (laughs) It takes two people to make a relationship work. So if we want a whole in mathematics, we take 50%, we add another 50%, and then you get 100%. Great. Where are your teachers? Come on. 100%, 50 plus 50. And a relationship doesn't work like that. You add 50 and 50 together, you have a quarter in a relationship. A mess, actually, to be quite honest. 
what it takes in a relationship is 100% and 100% to make it work. That's the only way it works, is if I'm fully committed to my wife and she's fully committed to me, then it actually works really like God intended it for it to work. Now, it's true of God's relationship with us as well. It actually takes two to make that relationship work. It takes God and it takes me. It takes God and it takes you. So the great thing is God is fully committed to you. He's fully committed to me, to us. 100%. He gave everything. And that relationship is, with other words, got a great start. But how much am I willing to give to make that relationship work? And actually, God's got nothing to lose here. He's God. I've got everything to lose. And what I get from this relationship is 100% dependent on how much I'm going to be committed to this relationship now. How much of me am I going to give? And, um, yeah. So, it's a, and it's, so God, John 3 verse 16, that is in my notes. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what God gave, 100%. Whosoever, any one of us, who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's up for grabs, guys. In the, in the, in the words of, uh, what's it, survivor. It's up for grabs for each one of us. You, your flame does not be, be, need to be snuffed out spiritually. Right? You can stay in the tribe. All of us can stay in the tribe. And um, life has got challenges. It's not just a free ride. It's not just easy. We're on earth. It's sinful. So what if we hit some trouble? What then? How do we deal with it? So I'm 100% committed to God. And I'm on my way to church and I have a flat tire. It's like, oh. And then, okay, what do I do? Now I have a problem. Or we get sick. And now what? We get older. And it's like, you think you can still run the 400 meters in, what, like two minutes. And then you compete with your son at the Kenza. And then it's like, I wanted to throw up after the 400 I ran yesterday. (laughs) I won. <laughs> Next time, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If he had the mic, he could tell you that he, he ran around the track like 15 times, and then I challenged him to a 400, and then I won. <laughs> wisdom. Benjamin. <laughs> Age comes with wisdom. See? See? <laughs> Never enter a fight that you can't win. but um, yeah life comes with those challenges and how do we how do we solve that and this this morning you know I I woke up and I realized every day you wake up you face a problem I 
There's, if you don't, then you're not alive. <laughs> Every single morning you wake up. Maybe it's an unknown problem. It's still yet to reveal itself. If you're lucky, you know what it is. But life is just like that. So, I love mathematics. I think I've told you that. Um, and math is great. It teaches us logically how to solve problems. Right? So, how do we solve a problem? Math principles. How do we solve a problem? So somebody asks you to solve some very difficult mathematical formula. And life on earth depends on it. How will I go about doing that? (laughs) Google it. (laughs) Well... There's a, there's a, use a calculator. And this is a maths problem. This is not your calculator. You're going to need your calculator, definitely. But, okay, so one solution is I'm going to propose a theory in mathematics that, or in just problem space, right? Not just mathematics. One solution is let's start from scratch. Let's start with nothing. Empty page. There we go. We're going to solve this problem. Is that a good idea? Come. Okay. Ah. Oh, there's already a problem on the page. Can't start with nothing. We already have a problem. That's good. Can't take everything away. So that's not going to help me. The problem is going to stay. <laughs> Starts with the basics. So, did you teach sometime? Yes? No? <laughs> Should? So, here is what you do when you face a problem that you don't know how to solve it. Is you state what you do know. You know what do I know? I know this, I know that. No one plus one's two. That's a good start. We could reinvent the wheel for some problem. I don't know, they took ages to invent a wheel and then more ages before Dunlop thought of inflating the thing (laughs) it was a guy called Dunlop right in in Scotland (laughs) and uh, but we could reinvent that could start from scratch or not we could state what we already know so life's problem every day I'm going to say to you, it works the same way. If you're faced with the unknown, state what you know. What do we know? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I know God is good. So no matter what happens, I can always state that God is good. It's a fact. So, James 1 verse 17 says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows that's the NIV the ESV says there is no variation of shadow due to change God does not change 
So if God was good somewhere in time, and it, the Bible t- teaches us that he is good, then there is no change in God. How incredible, no matter what I face, no matter how big my problem, no matter if I don't even know what the problem is, I know that God is the same as he was yesterday and the day before. There is no variation in God's goodness. He is just good. God loves you. Here's a big one. He loved you so that he gave everything. So no matter what, God loves you. It doesn't matter what life throws at us. God loves me. God loves me. Can you say that? Can you sit here this morning and say, God loves me. God loves me. How incredible is that? God has a plan. He's got a great plan for your life, for my life, for our lives together. God has a plan. He has a plan and a purpose. So this is all scripture, guys. It's all written. He wrote it down in black and white for us so that we can refer to it when we're unsure, when we face that problem that we have no answer for. Then then we state what we know. And that is how you solve the problem. You then have to apply the solution to the problem. Otherwise the problem remains. So you state what you know and then you apply those things to the problem. What does that look like? Well, it depends on the problem. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. God is interested in you specifically, in me specifically. So he doesn't have this one solution for every problem. But who he is and what he is and how he feels about you never changes. It doesn't move around when the sun comes up and sets like a shadow. It is just there. Never, no variation. Just one solid color. And so, put God first. That's how you apply it. You put God first in your life. So, that means first in the morning. When you wake up, make a habit. Huh? Some habits are bad. Some habits are great. My kids know some of their habits that I keep reminding them of. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why? Because they do it over and over. It's a habit. So make it a habit in the morning when you wake up. Greet God. Not something I've been doing, but maybe I'm going to start this. It's, do you, it's like I don't wear, um, what do you call those things that you wear at night? No, pajamas, that's good. Luckily, every, all the youth wore pajamas 
in the Kanza run. There was a pajama run. So, slippers. There we go. That's the word. Thanks, Gary. Believe the best. Come, guys. <laughs> I don't wear slippers. But, you know what? I've heard somebody say, I think it was Denzel Washington that said, you know, in, at night when you go to bed, put your slippers in deep underneath your bed. Deep. Push them in there. Because in the morning when you wake up, you have to go on your knees to get them. And then you stay there for a little while. Because <laughs> some of us can't get up again. <laughs> so... You know, like some of us did the Kenza walk around the, the track last night. Most of the youth did it. And they jumped up and down this morning in worship. I just want to give it to you guys. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> Most of them struggled to get up this morning and move. Linda is a machine. Goodness. <laughs> and she's here. She never stopped. <laughs> so, put those slippers in deep underneath your bed and go on your knees in the morning. When you win, go to God. Ah. When you lose, go to God. When you're happy, go to God. And when you're sad, put God first. Make him your first call. And um, so, and that's a, that brings another question up for me. It's like, how do I, how do I lose that space? So here's a, here's a verse, Revelations 2 verse 4. It says, so, it speaks to the Ephesian church, right? There's a whole book written to the Ephesians which we use to build church with. Ephesians 4 verse 12. It's written to the Ephesians. All the gifts are given for the equipping of the saints. That's Ephesians. And then God writes this to them. He says, yet I hold this against you. Before that he said, actually some good things you're doing well still. But... This will hold against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have lost your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. How did that happen to them? To the Ephesian church? How did they get to a place where God had to write this to them and say, you have lost your first love. I am not in that place anymore. I am not the first one. I am not your go-to. I'm not your number one. And I was praying about this this week and God <clears throat> revealed something to me which I think is actually key for our lives. So, yeah. This is my wife, Liesl. So, and you know what? Will I ever cheat on my wife? 
I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. I really don't think it's possible. I can't imagine that it's possible. Right? But, why not? Because she holds a place in my heart. Which, like, can't be taken because it's occupied. She's there. You can sit. <laughs> she says it's a big space. <laughs> She's got a big personality. <laughs> Fills the whole space. But, She's my best friend. I wanted to spend all my time with her. How would somebody else take that place? So, I'll tell you how I could get there. So, I love sport. I love walking in the mountains. I love running. And I love surfing. Don't do a lot of it. I love surfing. Get sponsored by a surfing brand, Jack. To preach. <laughs> Thank you, Byron, from Riot, for the people that are listening. <laughs> um, work. So it's not just going to happen immediately. You know what? Work, you have to go to work, you do it faithfully. You have to do it faithfully. So I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't do sport. But because it's not competing with that space in my heart that Liesl occupies, it gets more and more important to me. And running becomes more important than my family and it displaces my wife after a while or surfing, or work. A noble thing. I mean, but it's not the same thing, is it? So now, work or something else has become the internet, your cell phone, as that. Your cell phone could become more important than relationships. Some of you younger kids are growing up with cell phones being more important than relationships. Lisa, my other daughter, came to visit my kids for the weekend. And we found them all together in one room on their phones. We have a photo. We'll show that to them when they're older and have kids. So your phone could take precedence over your relationship with your wife. You could find yourself in a restaurant with a candle and two cell phones. Right? So now I'm doing CrossFit and it becomes more important than my spouse. It takes precedence. And then you meet a girl at CrossFit because my wife's not joining me there. And she's nice. She gives me the weights. And we do the boxy thing together, you know, a little bit of intimate space, that box thing that you climb on. I saw them last night. This is their machines, right? 
I can't do that. I'll do two. You'll have to bury me in a box. <laughs> but you do it there, and guess what? You grow in a relationship with another person. But because my wife is no longer in that space, and sport has taken that space, actually for another girl to take that space is not that hard. How hard would it be for a human being to push my cell phone out of my heart? Or my work? Didn't like it in the first place. The secretary at work, easy to take that place of work in my heart. And now my wife is not in that space anymore. And now I would be able to cheat on her. So there's a lesson for you guys that are getting married next week. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) But... We can do the same thing with God. Is God still? Like the Ephesians church lost that. That's how they lost it. Maybe ministry became more important. Feeding, feeding the hungry. Telling people about Jesus became more important than Jesus. That song we sang today. It's like, am I, am I looking for Jesus just to be in his presence? Just be, be with God. Just be with the Father or do I need something from God always has my need become more important than the God I serve because if it has we become the Ephesians church and then God says yeah repent so that's a problem how do we solve it what do we know let's do it Let's put up uh, Revelations 2 verse 4. It says, God says, I hold this against you. I have forsaken your first love. And then he gives us a solution space. There we go. What do we know? It says, remember the height from which you have fallen. When you gave your heart to God, when you asked God to be your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior in your life. I remember that day, but the sky had a different blue. I think even bad things smelled nice. Nobody irritated me on that day. I did love my worst enemy. Immediately, it was instantaneous. The first time I said a bad word after that day, it felt like horrible. Although I used to say bad words all the time, I made a practice of that. But all of a sudden, it just didn't... It was, what was that? It sounds horrible all of a sudden. Feels bad. For the first time in my life, I was convicted when I drank too much. Before that, it was just a party. After that day, I felt convicted if I did it. God started shaping me, but I was changed. And God was number one on that day. 
Remember that day. That's the solution. Remember that day. Remember from where you have fallen. And then, don't just remember. Like, remember when. Return. Remember so that you can go back. Remember so you can say, God, I'm sorry. Do it quickly. When that word slips out of your mouth, you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. And then repent. Okay, so you repent of the stuff you were doing wrong or not doing. And then it says what? Go back. Go back to, to that love, that place. Things you did at first. Loving God, worshipping Him with all spirit and truth. And there is the solution to put God first again. And, and, and again. And again. Because I have to do that every day. Because tomorrow's Monday and I'm going to wake up and mowing my lawn is going to be more important than taking my slippers out from my bed. And I'm going to forget that I was supposed to kneel at my bed. And I'm going to run to the lawnmower and mow the lawn. And halfway through it, I'm going to go, oh, sorry God. And then you repent and then you go, okay, I'll spend time with you first. Forget the lawn. Or in my case, I actually spend time with God mowing my lawn. (laughs) My happy space. And that's, and then God will not remove your lampstand. Right? Then God will be the fuel to your lampstand to burn brighter. Then there's a happy ending to the story. Then, you know what, we spent eternity with God. Because God doesn't change. God has no variation. And that is the promise to us all. As we remain in him, he remains in us. But put him first again and again and again. Probably not even seven times a week. (laughs) Seven times a day. We have to get to the place. It's like as we drive out here and somebody cuts in in front of you, put God first again. It's like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Psalm 37 verse 4, didn't give it to you. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Catch 22 in that verse is, if you delight yourself in God, your desires in your heart will shift to be the desires that align with God's plan for your life. And then he can give it to you without being bad for you. Because a lot of the stuff that I want outside of God is actually not good for me. I don't even know it. It's like, how could, how could uh, whatever I want? I don't even know what I want anymore. <laughs> I want God now. Because I've preached it into myself now. <laughs> right? I am not that guy. 
I'm preaching it me. I'm following God with everybody else. So I seriously can't think of anything I want other than God right now. But give me an hour or so and it'll return something that I want. Michael says, the steering wheel for the PlayStation. Wait. <laughs> He's trying to plant a new thought now that I don't know. <laughs> so this morning, can we put God first in our heart? Before I go there, please close, let's close all our eyes. Is there somebody here that, and I think I know everybody, but I want to give you all an equal chance again this morning, saying that has not put God in that place. The number one spot. Like you've realized God is God and you've realized you love him, but He's never occupied number one spot. Is there somebody like that here today? It's not a shameful place. It's an incredible place. And maybe the the bigger question is, and you want to make him number one today. Just put up your hand if there's somebody here. Number one spot. See that hand. And then we can all pray together because here's the thing it's like, is there somebody here today? God has lost his number one spot in your life. And like me, you go, Oh, God, I want to put you back in your place. Because like the relationship with my wife if God is not occupying his rightful place in my life his rightful number one spot I could easily put something else in his place because there's already something unimportant there if work if my kids if anything else has taken God's spot how hard is it to put something else in there and one of two things will happen either I'll lose God completely or I'll push him down in my space of importance so so far down that he's not in my life anymore so yeah, second group of people who wants to put God back in that number one spot